0: Founding tech-centric startups, deploying strategic investments, leveraging social media, we're building a digital brand, today's modern athlete, whether active or retired, is continuously redefining what it means to be a professional on and off the playing surface. And on this show, I talk to the biggest power brokers in sports. I'm Paul Rabel, and this is Suiting Up Podcast. Today's show is different. I'm going to sit down with my co-creator. He's also the founder of Shootout for Soldiers and now manager of the Lacrosse Network, or TLN, a subsidiary of Media Powerhouse Whistle Sports. His name is Tyler Steinhardt. A major reason why we started this podcast is I love that the medium is so agile. You can product test, you can be authentic and transparent, and you can do different things, like today's show. And I'll be honest, on the outset, I wasn't sure if I was going to be a one-and-done podcast or a seasonal show or run short on, frankly, podcast guests. Last week, we published our 10th episode. And we're really pleased with the product and feedback. There are a lot of challenges, many of which we'll discuss on today's show. And in this episode, Tyler and I wanted to invite you into our conference room for a behind-the-scenes conversation on when, why, and how we started the pod. We're going to talk about what we've learned and who we're planning to position the show around moving forward. So with that... Enjoy our 11th episode, talking about the fruition of the podcast, the first 10 shows, and hopefully the next 10. What is in my current Audible queue, you ask? Well, I just finished Tribes for the third time by Seth Godin. I'm attempting to finish and polish off my foreign policy off the back of my political science pedigree from Johns Hopkins and listening to Understanding Power, The Indispensable Chomsky, that's right, by Noam Chomsky. And finally, a multiple time recommendation from my peers, The Rise of Superman, Decoding the Science of Ultimate Human Performance by Stephen Kotler. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audio books, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audio book publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Audible is offering our listeners a free audio book with a 30-day trial membership. I recommend you do this. Just go to audible.com forward slash Rabel and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. And I love it. Go to audible.com forward slash Rabel. That's audible.com Ford slash Rabel and get started today. Friends of the podcast. I've been rocking facial hair, well, growing, trimming, and shaving it now for fifteen years. That's pretty much half my life. And I suppose it's the Lebanese blood. Shout out Papa Rabel if you're listening. And now the biggest thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream is also the only thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream. Introducing new Barbasol Razors, the brand America Trust for a close Comfortable Shave now has premium disposable razors. Barbasol's close shave technology on every razor means you get an advanced pivoting head and ultra-thin, open-flow blades. The Ultra 6 Plus razor also features a seventh blade, and it's specifically designed to refine and style tricky areas like under the nose, sideburns, and beard. Like mine. Visit Barbasol.com and get a $2 savings coupon, and see for yourself why Barbasol razors are the Number one, new disposable razor out there. You're looking good, America. You are shaving with Barbasol. So, Tyler, what are the apps on your home screen? All right. So, uh, I did not prime this, uh, but is this your? This is your question. Yeah, this, this is this is, is my favorite question. The value prop. That so you I saw to the podcast. I
1: saw that you actually look at your phone two hundred times a day, according to Bloomberg. So two hundred times you see these these home screen apps. Yeah. So my bottom four are phone texts, then Google Keep, which is sort of like um, Evernote, and then Google Calendar. And other ones I'd say stand out. Headspace, so you only have three on the bottom. Four. And text. The last one. Text, okay. phone, Google Keep, Google Calendar. Um, pretty normal ones on the front page. but the different ones being Headspace, Audible, Podcast Op, obviously, um, and then Way of Life. Which is like basically a daily tracker of things you do, and so I track like, did I eat meat today? Did I meditate? Did I do yoga? Pull that up to see like long term trends. Day? Um, it's a little less engaged now than I used to be. Um, oh, it's offline right now. But like, I'll have like hoops, cardio. So this is just resets right now. So this is blank. But it will mm. check these things and it will show like that I do a Lingo or that I do an app something like that. Um, so kind of like a fun test to
0: see like personal goals I'm doing to see if I'm reaching that. Is that for? Like weekly or monthly reflection, quarterly reflection. Really, I, monthly, I would imagine. I would say. It spits yeah. out reports for you, right?
1: Yeah. Really, what sucks is that it says like green uh, boxes if you hit it and you have a red box if you don't. What I find is that when I hit a red box, I get so like annoyed that I broke my street that I'll just quit some whole different habits. And so mm. it's really just trying to get to 30 is really my
0: goal for each of these different habits. I think that's the ultimate challenge for a lot of these. Mindfulness apps, you mentioned Headspace being one of them, and then Way of Life on another, is that they, they want you to work on being present, being thoughtful, and doing, you know, hitting certain achievements. But because of the gamification, which is a core uh, component of a successful app via mobile, and, and even these uh, meditation apps have gamification, is that I find myself... On a, on a bit of a streak right now through Headspace and meditating so I keep the streak going. Exactly, yeah. Which is not the purpose of – Yeah, of meditating, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why I do the
1: the sleep meditation one. I'm on 49 one. days. Is like, like screw it up. Yeah, is now I do like – I'm like, oh, I didn't get my meditation in today. I need to sleep meditate for the Headspace just to keep that going. Um, <laughs> one that has a really good one is um, Audible. Audible yeah. has badges sort of like, yeah, um, like Xbox rewards where it's like – daily, things like that, but it's also like you listen to 10 hours of total time yeah. or you're in a hot streak of listening or this is the longest time you've done it, which I think is fascinating. It's like gamification does make me use their app more for sure. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's pretty fun to kind of do that for Headspace.
0: Yeah. So I have Tyler Steinhardt here, the co-creator of Suiting Up podcast. And the purpose of this episode right here is not necessarily to find a, a filler episode for lack of a guest on a Monday. <laughs> But I think uh, explore different ways that we can take our show and bring authenticity to surface on why we created it. Because really I think it's it's really fun for both of us to do this Agreed. form of content. And the way that we got together and created this show, I believe, is not only unique but worth talking about. Uh, and then the, the last area is to actively solicit your feedback on how you think the show's gone so far with our with our guests, each of our guests, and and not all of them are are athletes. And of the athletes, some are retired and some are active. So I think we're we're finding out um, more of uh, more not only about what makes our show good in certain ways and maybe not so good in others, but ways that we may want to broaden out some of our guests into the broader sports business space. So before I jump ahead too far, why don't you give our listeners a little background on yourself, starting with your age. Yeah, I'm 23. Yeah. Um, so I, I know Paul through
1: Shootout for Soldiers thing originally, uh, which is a lacrosse charity I run that Paul had come in and played. Um, and played before as well and attended for years. And then linked The first up, one in Baltimore.
0: Um,
1: yeah, the OG one. Um, I think the second year, too, you and Hartzell played as well, yeah. and a few other guys played, which was pretty fun. Um, and you started
0: that organization when you were how old? 18.
1: Yeah. Um, so it was pretty young going about it, and sort of been in the lacrosse space since then. Working, you got into lacrosse, a few other things as well I think that we've kind of touched base on in the past. And then this came about... I think I was returning home, actually, from last year in Street for Soldiers in August and emailed you and said, look, I listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, I was always driving, so the event that I run is across the country, and so we would drive this RV to all these places, and to pass the time of a 12-hour drive from St. Louis to Denver, we listened to podcasts. Yeah. And so I became a fiend of podcasts, and
0: so this really kind of originated
1: the connection between it.
0: Yeah. And other forms of, of content and, and it's like there's an ecosystem of, of ways that we can consume content now. So this is through, uh, you know, the, the audio form and previously to this, what, what had, what had kind of inhibited me from getting into this arena was, was video and me going long in video. Um, you know, I've blogged occasionally, but now we're writing more. We'll get into that, um, and then the couple of companies that we operate, uh, it was just it was really it was really challenging for me to to figure out if a there was a uh, if there was a theme that got me energized to, to enter into podcasting, yeah. and then B, uh, did I have the bandwidth to, to really pull this off? And we're still. Trying to figure that
1: out now. But you're like a pretty good podcast listener yourself, though. You turned me on to Dan Savage and a few other folks that I had no idea of that now I'm a hardcore yeah. listener of that I can't get enough of. Yeah.
0: Well, I love podcasts. And I have some experience, I should say, in audio now for three years, actually. So probably more than some. I have three years of experience hosting a weekly show called The Lacrosse Show with Paul Carcatero on SiriusXM where I'm basically a color analyst for the feed, meaning Paul talks about what's going on in our sport. Mm-hmm. It's an hour-long show, uh, recaps games, gives statistics, gives his, his uh, really acute eye for the game, being an ESPN broadcaster, uh, color commentator, he's, does, he's done some play-by-play. And then I just chime in from the player's perspective. That's gone really well, but it, it, it feels so natural to talk about the sport Uh, And I had been approached prior to us linking up and talking about podcasts from several companies asking, hey, Paul, do you have interest in doing a lacrosse-specific pod? I put out so much content regularly, (laughs) and most of, probably all of it, aside from this show, is lacrosse-based. I was really interested in, in, in if there was a world where I could host a show not having to do with lacrosse. And I think your proposition was really interesting to me because you were like, hey, you know, I, I don't see you talking about lacrosse either. I see you talking about sports and business more broadly.
1: And that's your interest too. I mean that's yeah. like – people think because you do that for a living, that's your sole interest. But the reality is is that what you're consuming on a day-to-day basis is not – where these kids are coming to college but you know the latest vc deal the latest tech acquisitions and so much more and so if you can talk about something from authentic state of view and point like it gets you more energized to talk about it for an hour long and then do these kind of regularly whereas the crossing you're in you know every day yeah it's very different what
0: interests me about tyler when i met him half a dozen years ago probably yeah when you were running this event and i Made an appearance at your shootout event in in Baltimore. It went really well. So not only were you operating a, a really meaningful property in our sport, the concept was unique. So there was some ingenuity to it. I thought you um, you know you were curious, you were smart, and you hustled way beyond your years. Um, so I remember going to coffee with you a bunch, talking about shootout. For We've done soldiers. a lot of coffee meetings. Yeah, and coffee probably meetings. Probably like two a year, it seems like. And I think that's what that that's what really uh, built or sculpted our relationship was. We would meet on one topic, whether it's. One of your shootout events in Boston, or some strategic partnership you wanted to put in place, whether it's a brand from a sponsorship level or something else, and our coffee meeting would turn to like two and a half hours. Yeah, which is it would like dent my calendar. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but that was like for years. It was just sort of like honestly, me picking your brain on some things, you know, and like, it's from a perspective of like, you've been in this space a long time. When I was growing Shootout, it was an opportunity for me to learn from someone who understands that where not a lot of folks are willing to talk about that kind of stuff. And you're very open about that. Yeah. And so for years, we would just kind of ramble for a couple of hours at a time. And um, since this kind of started, it's felt like we're talking, you know, almost every day at this point, you yeah. know, on this podcast around ideas or potential guests or sort of linking to articles and folks who are doing great businesses who are athletes themselves. And so, yeah. I find that so fascinating how it's kind of changed the relationship over the year especially.
0: Yeah, and I think originally we spoke a lot about events and properties in the sport and operating because that's yeah. what you're in. And then there came a point in time about a year ago where you started to uh, – via whether it was a, was it a headhunter or, or how did uh whistle sports first hear about you
1: I don't know I mean I got linked up in like last June and then you know I I mean, ended Samir up joining out. in like in Samir March yeah
0: out. yeah um, one of our friends reached out about Whistle Sports, who was looking for basically a, a president of content strategy, effectively. I'm not yeah. sure what your actual title is now. But there was a time where Whistle Sports, is, we, I, we talked about it on the Jeremy Lynn podcast, who's an investor um, or has an equity position, not an investor, I- in the company. I'm an investor, but we're both channel partners, and they're now a broad digital advertising network, but originally an MCN, so focused specifically on like YouTube and Facebook and um, through partnerships and channel partners created basically modern media and figured out ways to monetize off of that. The Lacrosse network was acquired by Whistle Sports. Now you're running TLN Ops, but it took you about a year and some change to decide, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll take this risk and move to New York and basically become, uh, you know, a content man.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a quick upturn because for a while it was, I was just doing Shootout for Soldiers and had this podcast kind of was like the side hustle It like, gave me energy and then it was like my first foray into content a little bit and I took that job at Whistle Sports. It was all of a sudden I was doing content every day and doing Shootout and then the podcast all of a sudden was like something audio that was so new to me as well and that I was able to compare that to how video is produced which is, you know, 10 people oftentimes, you know, lighting and coloring and so much more and, and at post-production and audio is very agile. It's very slim. Like yeah. you're able to just set up these two mics like this and record. And so right. for me, I have a lot of energy around that too because I think that it's a very authentic conversation and that there's not eight you know cameras all around us you know kind of filming that. And so I've had the opportunity to learn. I'm very new to the content game, but we researched the two of us audio from I'd say August to March relentlessly. You know, right. we, we picked through the podcast that we liked, the production styles we liked, the people who were doing it right, the different companies that were out there. I mean, that was something that. It seems easy that we just kind of are doing it now, but we spent a lot of time, even in this office, we demoed a podcast previously. So you look yeah. at that long tail of production, like, yeah, our first one came out in May, but we started working on this in August, like, seriously about
0: yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, and you have the original email you told me when we were walking into this conference room. Yeah, the
1: original email discussed podcasting, an emoji app, um, which you did uh, yeah. with Emoji. Shoot <laughs> um, uh, Shootout for Soldiers, um, Rainbow Coast, what you're building here, especially events as well. Yeah. And then um, a video game. There was so, that much. Yeah. In the one email. And I think that was like we talked at like a yeah. coffee shop, talked Got for it. hours on it. Um, and, and the, the- – Game too was we end up having a whole different branch on the game as well. Whether we should do a, a you know highly produced Xbox PlayStation game, yeah. which you ballparked at 10 million dollars or a million users kind of play, which is what EA Sports typically designates right. for a you new You know, we're doing a, like a video game on your phone, looking at Do Perfect and the right. success they've had recently, right? And that was like for me, a lot of energy around that too. Is that gaming is something that was so fascinating. I still think you should get into e gaming and e sports, you know, yeah. eventually, but. Um, podcasting is a route that we kind of took. That Those are
0: two areas of interest. Uh, gaming, as you mentioned, and then television. Uh, but right now, we are very low on available bandwidth and really energized in video and audio, which we're talking about. And, and and you left that meeting, I, I I remember telling you, to put together a deck.
1: Yeah, it's like a little like PowerPoint, like in early September. So it's on why like,
0: podcasting. And yeah. you pulled a bunch of metrics on... Yeah. Listenership, year-over-year year growth over the past five years, to demographic, uh, to popular shows, and that helped us sculpt. percent. This we, we sports picked, business show.
1: I think we had both had a little niche and a feel for what worked well. Like looking at Tim Ferriss or Dan Savage, and all this yeah. stuff. But looking at the actual data, like. There's more podcast listeners than Twitter users in the United States. Like that stuff that I think I remember just shocking me, the, the scope of it. Right. You know, the rise of I – when mean, you put it best, we talk about Bluetooth audio in cars and cars yeah. and having headphones. Like yep. you can download that kind of stuff now. That was a game changer for the whole space.
0: Yeah, I remember looking specifically being in the video content space with the Paul Rabel experience, which is basically our OTT instructional platform where we create uh, lacrosse uh, skill videos for young kids to access behind a paywall. Um, I, I remember seeing the yoga um, OTT platforms, the other fitness platforms, and I've tried them before, where you set up your laptop, you know, in the corner of your house, and you're trying to mimic your yoga instructor, right. and it's just really hard because you can't hold a pose without turning. And right. So then I heard about uh, another fitness app called uh, SkyFit, and I thought it was brilliant in that it was only audio, so that uh, you would select your piece of equipment and say you wanted to work out at a gym and you had a a certain uh, elliptical in front of you, you would locate that, and then you would have a list of instructors and time. It's kind of like Peloton in a way, except for, for any piece of equipment. Then you would click on the time you had and you would automatically get an instructor in ear. And I realized, like, that's all you need. And then I found myself making a connection to that specifically in that headphones are always in my ear, whether I'm commuting, whether I'm working. Without a doubt. And I can consume... Um, educational content, entertainment, stuff that I believe is, is helping me grow personally, professionally, socially. And I can do that far easier than, than I can when I'm watching where I have to be, you know, my undivided attention has to be fixated on that. Yeah, I think Please. watching
1: and reading too are, are full attention. You know, you reading need to is, kind of commit yeah. to that fully, whereas audio is passive consumption. And so I think why there's so much room for audio to grow even more is that if you fight for attention... I want to maximize my time at the grocery store. If I have headphones and listen to a podcast, I feel like I'm learning as I'm grocery shopping. Yeah, And so all of a sudden, you feel like you're getting your best bang for your buck by listening to the podcast in the car or the grocery store or doing laundry. You're taking advantage of all these minutes during your day where you couldn't really make use previously. It's sort of how emailing your phone is now you're able to you know, listen to an audio book or listen to a podcast. And then that's really where it's, so successful is the podcast consumption that's passively done yeah. um, where it's like, you're not just sitting there listening. You're doing something while you're also listening and it's the second screening of audio and in some ways you're second screening life by listening.
0: Yeah. And I think there were just to be transparent, there were two areas that having this conversation with you and thinking through it more that, that I felt we could accomplish by pulling this show off when the first one was to uh, have a medium that would enable us to talk about what we do from a business perspective, specifically coming from the shoes of an athlete, where you hear and have heard for decades previously. You know, you you, you see the thirty for thirty piece on athletes going broke. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you often heard athletes investing in real estate or their buddy's T-shirt company uh, that that kind of goes belly up. Some of them have won in the past. But over the past decade, between the proliferation of social media and just the startup experiment costs going down, more athletes that are associated even with their NBA owners who are tech giants or NFL owners like the Kraft group that are involved in in the venture capital space and and operating multiple sports properties is that they're now getting exposure with these huge deals that they're getting – from their respective court, field, or pool. I mean, what's happening right now underneath us as we're recording this podcast is this crazy NBA deals that are seeming to pop up every yeah. thirty minutes now. These guys are making thirty million dollars <laughs> a year on court, so they have now athletes have reshifted their focus on where they're spending. And then some, like Venus, is is actually operating, and she was our second guest on right. Suiting Up. She's operating, not so just is for investing. Set too. So is Forset operating. Um, and, and I don't think that the common, you know, mainstream 800-word article that takes three or four quotes from the athlete uh, does the justice we think is, is deservingly appropriated for the level of thought and ingenuity Stop for on. the skill sets that cross over from court, field, pool, into business. So to have a long-form medium like this yeah. to sit down and dive into the, to that toolkit… I thought was point one. And then point two is you talk about their business and the analytics are the, the business of podcasting analytics. This is an opportunity that, that we wanted to go after and, and see like, hey, is this something that we can uh, use to create a bigger brand and presence, not only around Paul Rabel, but the sport of lacrosse and kind of elevate into mainstream media, but also potentially monetize, right? We're investing, we've invested a lot of time into this. So it was those two areas. There was the opportunity in business, but for me, the the our and, and you yeah. we talked about what is our goal is is to is to tell a broader story in sports and business. And it's a value add for the player too. I think that what you're talking about that article is is
1: that it's looking at this guy as a pro athlete and saying uh, okay, like great for them, they're trying business. As if it's like they're not also smart and savvy themselves. And right. I think that's what sparked it was, is, you know, our conversations, I realized I wasn't talking to someone who was just good at lacrosse. It was that you understood the space really well and that you were a much more savvy entrepreneur than I was. And all of a sudden, you know, my blinders were worn, you think of someone as just one dimensional, and you realize that these folks are able to use your skill set in, in sports to make themselves far more dynamic than than previously thought. And so Looking at that lens, you realize these athletes are the ones who are actually the most savvy entrepreneurs in a lot of ways, who are investing in incredible companies, who have a feel for what sort of technology will work out well. And that's really what sparked this. And also, your intellectual curiosity in this space helped spark that podcast as well. Is that you can't do a podcast where you're the interviewer if you're not like personally interested in everything around you at all times. I think that's really what separated what you, we're doing here versus, you know, just kind of talking to anyone about some things, is that you need to have a host who's like personally invested and interested
0: in what what's going on? So we had the deck, you created it, and we were like, okay, this is really interesting. (laughs) Um, For most of my 20s, if I were to broadly uh, kind of coalesce all of my efforts in business and kind of off the field and what I was doing into, into kind of three steps, I would say that I wanted to meet as many people in sports and business, athletes and executives, as I possibly could. That was one. Two, learn as much as I could from them. And then three, the kind of the business aspect is, is how could I leverage that to create not only wherewithal and, and property building, but service too and mentorship and my foundation and you know, I, I felt like if I did those th- three things well, that I would position myself well for the long game as as a professional and an entrepreneur. Um, what I didn't know at the time, though, is I as I build this big network of athletes through events, whether I was going to South by Southwest, Fortune. MIT Sloan and Analytics Conference, Spor- Fortune conferences um sport innovation lab yeah NBA all-star game the Super Bowl for several years in a row you you meet people I leverage my agency at Octagon there was just no way to plug them into any of my current offerings right I wasn't going to tell coach Belichick who's a close friend of mine yeah hey can I uh bring my DSLR up and GoPros and and, and shoot (laughs) you in (laughs) your office and put it on my YouTube channel it's like a different it's exactly it's it's a it's a completely different form of content so as we're building this this concept we're like you know holy crap we have these athletes that paul has either email or is texting with and if they're anything like paul which i felt they are and many of them i've learned from in a number of different ways Let's see if they want to sit down and talk like you and I are doing. Yeah, half the battle was going through your email list or your
1: LinkedIn to figure out who you knew in this space. Yeah. Like that was the real challenge, was it's like we had this great idea yeah. and we had no idea of how many people you knew in this space, both athletes and folks in audio too.
0: Would was that that was probably you know, that that, that was make or break. It was yeah. like a cool concept, but can you actually sit down with these folks? Yeah.
1: Uh, and it was also like realizing so many folks who were interested who'd be great fit for this that, you know, if you ask someone like, hey, who'd be great for your podcast, you get two or three names out there. And then we started digging in or, you know, Every day, I feel like we add someone new to the, the list. People we're adding, and we're realizing, oh, we do know this person. Oh, we have a connection here. That sometimes, you ask a question, it's not quite there, but like something will spark that, and that happened with a number of people who are advisors of ours
0: now. It happened with other people who were guests of ours It kind of came out of nowhere. What yeah. So you're referring to this talent matrix that we share. It's a Google Doc. Yeah. And it's probably got close to now 100 targets. Yeah. And and a lot of my friends and and people that listen to this show that they. they you know they they inquire on on how we book talent is this a thing that you your agency does for you or do you have a you know kind of this talent acquisition partner I'm like no we just email and text and reach out to them it's i mean a personal uh, personal bit of advice that i got uh, from one of my mentors in this space um Ezra Kuchars, who is at former president of CBS radio was that you're always only one call away. That stuck with me. Um, And and that, like, to get to someone, there's likely, especially in the sports business space, if you can create a finite bubble of those people, even as big as LeBron James or Derek Jeter, if you think critically enough, and again, 10 years of building a network throughout all these properties, one call away or one email away. Now, does that convert? No, not all the time, but... I think we were pleasantly surprised, like the way that I thought about it was, okay, outreach, 50% will convert, so we'll get a response on 50% of them, and we'll probably get a hard no for 50% of that, yeah, and then a, a, a probably a soft yes, and then we'll run into schedule conflict, and we'll be able to book 10% of our guests, so I was trying to work my way back from how many people I know to landing 10% of that 50%. And we've gotten like all yeses. It just yeah. comes down to scheduling. I think actually also you're missing a key element too. It's kind of
1: like spreadsheet numbers is that for me at least, it, reaching out to folks sometimes isn't easy. A lot of folks are hesitant to reach out to people, don't want to like busy their schedules or whatever. You're fearless. I mean like you will tweet at someone on Twitter. You'll send them <laughs> an email. Like, you'll cold call. Like you have no issue, which I was, right. I was shocked about because in my mind it's like – Oh, you have an agent. You have people working with you who can like kind the of instruction for you. You don't be that person doing it, and, and you know you really don't care at all. Like you've sent out way more emails than I have in town acquisition of saying like. Hey, so and so, like, love what you do here. References that an article link. This is what we're doing, and ping them. And you know, I had to redo that talent matrix because you had done maybe forty cold emails in the last two weeks. Where it was just like, holy crap, we got to keep track of what Paul is doing here because he's so far ahead of the game. And for me, I got to like build up almost like courage in some ways to interview, ask one or two people for a favor because I feel like I'm burdening them in a lot of ways. But in reality, it's not that big of a burden. I get emails all the time myself personally, um, but and you really don't care about that. So like when you say that as ten people, a lot of folks. Are hesitant to reach out, to people like they feel like they're burdening them in some way, and you're not. You're you're willing to kind of risk that. What
0: What makes this show go, I believe, is the authenticity of the style of content, right? Right, fairly unedited. I, I mean, outside of it's nothing's really edited, nothing's at all. edited. Yeah, I mean, we haven't released one of our guests. We're instructed just general, generally in the podcast space. You're not supposed to reveal your guests until you drop them. <laughs> yeah. We screwed up on that a couple of times. We, we glean that from other uh, yeah. podcasters because it's like a race to talent. But we have a star NFL quarterback. It's the only guest so far that we recorded over the phone. And it's just so much more challenging recording a podcast over the phone than it is sitting down like you are right now in 100%. person. Because what makes this podcast authentically great is in any conversation that you guys, wherever you are listening to have, is that interruptions aren't as kind of, they're not as curt in person as they are over the phone. Because you can see someone's body language, exactly. and like, and it's actually out of excitement, and like, oh, Tyler, what you're saying yeah, right now is so speak, good. Yeah. I want to, I want to jump in. Yeah, and and it also helps edge away from the traditional journalist Q and A that most athletes have partaken in. So again, going back to what you're saying, though, authenticity of this show, I found an outreach coming from me uh, it, it is just like just speaks really organically to what we're trying to accomplish. I think it stems
1: from Brene Brown too. I mean, you turned me on to her and, and I listened to Daring Greatly I didn't read it actually. I listened to it via audible and I loved that. And to to me that kind of spoke a lot of ways and that I found via like Tim Ferris's pod you sent me and I ended up listening to her book. It was fantastic.
0: Tim Ferris, when he would guest lecture, I believe it was at the GSB, one of the schools out West. um, He would, put together a prize package that would include a round-trip airfare to anywhere in the world to one of their students if they could uh, blindly reach out and get in touch with one of three of the most popular people on the planet that he would write on the, on the board to start the semester, which would either be probably Warren Buffett, President Obama at the time, and call it Michael Jordan, Yeah, right? Like three people, you're just be like, how the hell am I getting in touch with them? Yeah. But it's the, the, the exercise is like there's a way. So, yeah, I think you're right. The, the outreach is important. It's, it's a big part of the show. And I would say part one of success, we, we said, would be talent. 100%. Part two was a partner. Because we felt like finding a podcast company could help us uh, cover our blind spots, given that none of us have, neither of us had podcasted before. We experimented with it. We got our own little kit. Yeah, we tried it. Yeah, and we figured, and I think we 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 could have been all right, but because I had previous conversations with a number of groups um, about doing a lacrosse specific podcast, we had those contacts. And we started com- uh, having conversations, and I think from our several advisors on the on the audio side, they were just kind of like, yeah, "We did I some
1: LinkedIn mining for who liked lacrosse as well." Like that's I remember right. Distinctly, like lucky like, like up folks who were involved in podcasts, and then and that with tweets about lacrosse and being like, yeah. Well here's a contact to how we can kind of get a window in somewhere. Right, right. Uh, and we're still doing that. All the time. I mean, that's something I do almost every day that if people think that just because your network is huge, you're connected with someone via LinkedIn, that's it. But, like, you can't just email someone cold and have, like, no intro a little bit. You'd have some background. Like, hey, I saw you're a big Ohio State lacrosse fan, or I saw that you love X, Y, and Z. And that's a great way to kind of get a competition started that yep. we've done on a majority of our guests that, um, you know, it's kind of funny.
0: yeah. So structure to deal with digital media, We're based in New York. There was actually some similarities when I looked at the big podcasting companies. Uh, digital reminded me a lot of Whistle when I was in with Whistle Sports on the, on the video side in that they had a, a hyper-targeted focus, uh, fewer, fewer shows in their stable than, say, um, a you name it. Full screen or all screen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But but it, it felt to us that they were putting a lot of energy into those specific properties, and then we got a, we got a lot of um, confidence from them uh, in that they, they they liked the design of the show and the style, and ended up partnering with them. And so, digital gives us our kit here. Um, and we work with them regularly, bouncing ideas back and forth, and sending them the raw audio. And and frankly, some areas that we didn't have to deal with, to, to, to at, a, at any level right. is is getting on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, yeah. Apple Podcasts. We focus on the content. We didn't focus had to focus on that
1: kind of nitty gritty behind the scenes that kind of gets it out to folks, which is huge. I think mean, that's necessary. Yeah. I think too. What also made the podcast well is that we prepare a lot for each guest as well, both in like research and also com- and talking about it before we go on and trying to create a frame. And that like, we'll take this mass of Google and then put it into notes and then put it into like a frame that you're able to kind of shape a conversation a little bit versus just kind of like going off the cuff each time. Yeah. You do a
0: great job of leading that research effort. How do you approach it with each guest? First, I start hacking at Google. I don't think I've ever asked you that. Yeah. <laughs> I, the first thing I do is I type in something of on Google and get a
1: very baseline. Um, I guess we're in releases after Jeremy Lin once. Probably the best example is um, I started with Jeremy Lin there, and then I started doing Sanity, and then I started looking at Linsanity deals. Um, and I got down a rabbit hole of like Weibo um, yeah. and trying to look at like Chinese social networks because mm-hmm. sometimes some things are not on Google. Some things people are, are lost in an article, like a nice little tidbit. Um, and it's really just kind of going down a rabbit hole oftentimes and then finding a little stat or number and trying to cross-reference that into things. Right. Um, but it's, it's fun. I mean I think I enjoy – that's probably what I enjoy most honestly is is producing that kind of frame for it. And then when you can see how that kind of translates into the actual interview is that oftentimes the guests kind of appreciate that you're not asking like, all right, well, what team are you on now or whatever. Like you have, a, you have an understanding that you prepare for reading those notes and you oftentimes retype them. And in some cases, you've redone your notes yourself Yeah, with like D Smith and you see how that – took a whole different life of its own, that podcast, because
0: you were there really energized, really educated about him as well. And so it's kind of huge. So what I'll typically do is I'll get Tyler's notes, and I will then start with a blank sheet of paper myself. This is how I used to study for exams in college, actually. And I would take his notes, and I would rewrite them. And then that would come naturally into the flow or that I had envisioned for that athlete or executive. Uh, then I kind of create those specific topics broadly. Mm-hmm. And then what I like to do is go on Apple Podcasts into the search bar and, and search our guests and try and hear them on other pods because yeah. they'll often go off into areas of interest specifically. and what athletes are programmed to do, entertainers, celebrities, you name it, is to take a question, say, "Hey, that's a really great question," and then deliver what you know their, their, what they've prepared, what yeah. they've prepared, or what they want to talk about. Whether it's yeah. a book release, a film, or their latest game, uh, there's a, there's an art to that, and a lot of publicists start there in one hundred and one with their new talent out of school. Uh, so the research is a big component of it. The biggest component. So we've talked about talent. We talked about partnership and research. The biggest component, though, as you launch a podcast is distribution. So we've thought a lot about like, okay, there are some fantastic shows out there that don't get distributed well, don't get listenership, because it's just as challenging, just as competitive as being on YouTube, as being in television, as a pilot show. It's like, you can have a terrific piece of art, you can have a terrific piece of audio, but if you don't have a strategy on acquiring new ears, it's going to die. Yeah. Um, So for us, we looked at, and you can probably add to this, we're going to bet that the content's good. So social media we have in-house, which was a a value prop for us. We wanted to cross-pollinate ourselves across other podcasts. We wanted to get me and you on other shows to talk about suiting up. We wanted to find a strategic media partner. So someone that we could Take our our audio form, distill that down into like a six or seven hundred top three takeaway word, top three takeaway from my conversation with D. Smith or Venus Williams. Get that published on a platform with huge distribution. We found that recently with entrepreneur.com. So all of our kind of uh, musings on the podcast now live on entrepreneur.com, they push that out to their three and a half million followers on Twitter, which we hopefully will then acquire into new listeners on the podcast. Um, and then in, in any other any other pieces that I'm
1: missing? Uh, it really covers it all. And we looked at, I mean that, that's like we have now, but what we started out with so much more, is that we looked at 20 plus pods and said, how are they getting their word out there? You know, because we felt like is, is the if the product's great, it's Great, but then no one's going to listen to it. How can we get the word out there? And that's kind of we started backwards and then just looked at what other folks were doing and realized there's... Opportunity being lean and being that you have a good staff here as well to kind of get words out, get quote cards out, and find a media partner as well that can add that brand equity in that conversation too. That we did your LinkedIn profile as well. We've tried mine before Um, and ended up kind of doing these like short, succinct, not not really short, but 500-word kind of pieces following up each episode that adds color to the episode as well. It can make it live beyond it. I still don't think though that audio fits into our daily consumption habits in, in social Like, I don't think that we're listening to audio, like, typically in 30-second sports that we could be.
0: Well, I think, like, you know, listen, when I promote a show on Twitter, people are on the Twitter platform to get quick news that's concise and fewer than 140 words. If they were on Twitter to find a link to a 45-minute dialogue between two people— just a small percentage of people that are, but doing you can that. find
1: stuff going on. Like I oftentimes, find Bill Simmons has a new podcast out with Kevin Durant, and I'll be like, "Awesome!" Like,
0: so I suppose you're following Bill Simmons though for long form yeah. content, right? Most of my following is following me for like quick fitness game right. updates, and yeah, so for the cross so we're stuff. yeah, so yeah. we're 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 trying to actively. Uh, promote this evolution to my audiences across different platforms, yeah. but we're also trying to acquire new customers. Frankly, my Twitter platform had plateaued over the past two years. Uh, I had reached this this probably this place where, you know, the, the platform overall is having trouble getting Gen Zs on, mm-hmm. right? And and my biggest audience as a lacrosse influencer on YouTube and Instagram are Gen Zs. Um, and so I wasn't taking any significant steps uh, from a from a property standpoint into the broader sports business space, but I've acquired a, 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 a pretty decent amount of, of Twitter followers since launching the pod <laughs> because it's an interesting conversation that I think appropriates well for Twitter power users. I agree. Yeah. Do you... Is there anything you were surprised about since you've launched that and the
1: reaction to it? Folks have kind of said to you, like, I'm really impressed with this, so I don't know you do all this business stuff. Like, have you gotten any, like, you know, feedback from folks either you knew or from outsiders that you're totally shocked by? In well, I think
0: that was your original thesis, right? You pushed me over the top in green lighting this project because, I mean, you were blunt. You were you were very, uh, it, it was it was humbling. You were, you, were very, uh, you were very confident in saying, like, hey, Paul, I... I get exposed to this side of you that very few, I think very few people in not only our sport, but in broader sports business, yeah. don't know. And it's something that I think fits well with this medium,
1: and it, that's an opportunity for all athletes who come on the podcast too, is we're yeah. presenting a value prop that Justin Forsett can be known as this, you know, startup founder. Like right. if he didn't play football, you would describe him first as a founder, you know, or a startup entrepreneur. Because he played football, it's like it's almost seemed like a side project of his. Yeah. Which I think is like misaligning because he's putting a lot of time and effort and energy into that. He should be considered both a, a former yeah, NFL is. player and the founder and entrepreneur. And mm-hmm. that like folks will oftentimes dismiss that as a one liner in those kind of things you're saying, Venus the same way. It's incredible. She's kind of managing two businesses. And yeah. so that's really, I think what's lost is that you're doing this stuff from lacrosse, but your, your day to day, is a lot of business work and that you, you get a lot of energy from that a lot more too, which I
0: thought fascinating. Yeah. You, you mentioned the word lost. It's, it's really interesting that, that, is that it took us through the first seven episodes. We had a digital property. You, you also mentioned my staff and Neil Savage has yeah. done a great job of creating so but through Multiple conversations we've had with the folks at Entrepreneur, uh, their experience in the in the audio space, to folks at Digital as our partners and even our friends that are heavily embedded in podcasting, were like, "Your guys' show notes suck." Yeah, <laughs> and we were like, "Yeah, well, we we've definitely we flagged improving our show notes and just the overall athlete episode webpage." But over the past two weeks, Neil has taken this thing on. And I believe our digital presence right now can be just as much of a um, kind of a distribution boost that we're looking for in terms of really capturing the, the overall enormity of what we're trying to pull off. So you listen to audio right now or you listen to, say, our first five shows and, and it's done. And maybe you were on my LinkedIn page and you saw uh, a Reflections article Now you listen to the audio. You can catch the piece on entrepreneur.com, which we feel like is better because of the resources we get there. You can go on suitinguppodcast.com and look at each athlete. There are specific show notes. There's right now like 10 to 20 per athlete. So they carve out the time of they talked about a specific topic, right? Then underneath it, it's links. So Justin Forsett, you can go right to showerpill.com from our website and purchase one of his Mm -hmm. products. Um, when I was talking with Miles Chanley Watson, he referenced the YouTube video that set my channel on fire. And that was the Baltimore Harbor toss. Neil throws the link to that on, right? Um, In my Angela Ruggiero interview, we talked about newsletters and one of them was Scott Galloway's boom. There's a link to Scott Galloway's email newsletter, which I recommend to everyone. It's amazing, right? So we, we've got this uh, all encompassing uh, digital presence now that I think uh, does our our platform justice? I'm really excited about it. So now we're we're, we're pretty close. And it's been
1: early on. I think if you look at your YouTube channel, it took a bit probably to figure out like the structure and styling. Whereas I feel like in the last month or so, we've really hit our stride in like what this podcast will look like, both from its concept and its content and the distribution as well.
0: Yeah. So as we take a step forward now, ten episodes in, um, I mentioned. You know, us not necessarily taking a pivot traditionally as you hear it in, in business where you're like the product changes or you become a product company and now you're a services company or subscription-based platform, right? We're not, we're not going to change the style of programming here. But what we found starting with Coach Belichick uh, while, you know, in, in the sports space on the field, not an athlete, a coach, and then with D. Smith, which I think was our best podcast, thus far. Uh, and then now talking to other sports business executives that I mean, I would like to go after talent as wide as athletes, to coaches, to uh, sports business executives, to marketers, to physical therapists, to nutritionists, anyone that, that, that occupation impacts sports in a positive way, whether it's an athlete or it's a revenue stream. I, I like to sit down and have conversations with them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I find a lot of the ones we currently do, too, kind of tail off into different elements of them. With Justin Forsett, his little music, you know, that he had done before. And, right. and, and then he wrote a song for his wife, which is really cool. And uh, Matt Hasselback being the first NFL player on Twitter. Um, you know, these little things here that, we, that don't necessarily tie into business, but are kind of key little intricates as well. So
0: I think what we'd be interested in hearing from each of you is what your thoughts are on that. And I know I've waited towards the end of each episode, uh, through these first 10 to solicit feedback, but we are actively looking for it. I think that's, what's great about modern media is that we have a show that's predicated on speaking to guests and we've got 10 episodes in and now the co-creators of the show are just sitting down and rapping about it. So it's very non-traditional. It's not what you see on network television. Yeah. Uh, but we want to hear your feedback we, we've we've gotten emails on folks that want to in, get involved and intern or work for suiting up podcasts and here are certain skill sets that she and he brings and and so to, to reach out to us you can email us at pod at suiting com that's pod at suiting com you can also tweet at me and I have said this from the beginning and to the extent that i've maintained and i'm probably'm I'm, Certain it hasn't been with 100 accuracy because you miss mentions from time to time. But if there's anything suiting up podcast related, I will be sure to respond to you. Yeah, you're I pretty good it. about that. Yeah, because yeah. this is like really important to me. Is amazing. I think too. Show. I want to know what
1: people found most interesting, question wise, from some folks as well. Like. Both of us obviously love the, the what apps in your home screen kind of question, but I'm interested to see like what kind of got Miles or Venus or Bill to speak that you want to hear more of that we might kind of waver, because we don't have a set structure.
0: We're still trying to figure out what really works for us episode to episode, so very yeah. open to that. We had a short episode with Julie Fowdy because of the constraints of being at ESPN, which I... Drove three and a half hours <laughs> yeah. that morning the, too. The and also found also out. to do these interviews too, is underrated.
1: <laughs> the I mean, like, to do the you, you <laughs> flew overnight you know, to, to Foxborough, yeah. like, yeah. Uh,
0: and then had an issue with your car, you know, the Uber out from Boston to Foxborough, remember? Right. Like, right. it's been a, it's been, and a that lot. was during the trade deadline. So I was sitting in Gillette Stadium, fairly confident. Remember texting you that I wasn't going to get to do this podcast with Coach because <laughs> they're in the middle of two trades. And he shut the door. And did it for 45 minutes. It was really amazing. I was certain that one wasn't going to go on. But yeah, let us know. Time of show is important. I know the D. Smith one's been our longest, but got a lot of good feedback from him. And then surprisingly, you know, from, from my personal experience, I think you've shared this with me, some of my friends' favorite shows are, are, are surprising to me. I kind of go around and say, hey, D. Smith, D. Smith. And some folks are like, Miles Chanley Watson was amazing. So people say, I love the Venus My mom loves
1: Miles Chanley Watson as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I I think it's so unique about this platform is that, and audio and podcasting, and why we love it so much is that it all strikes us in such a unique way, unpredictable to a certain extent. And there's one or two things that you take away where you're just like, wow, that. That was worth sitting in on. I want to know where people listen. Like, where do you
1: listen to the podcast? Is it working out? Is it driving your car? Because to me, that's the most fascinating of the, you know, different uh, demographic sectors of this, of listenership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I try not to, to look at our analytics and, and listenership and stuff and, and, I suppose, one, it's, it's probably just an area that I stay away from generally in social because I want to focus on the actual product and less the results. And if I get caught more in results, I've been down that rabbit hole. Um, but also hmm. what's really unique about podcasting is that I know from my own trends, different than, say, video uh, and YouTube specifically, is that it's longer form and people pick and choose when listening to podcasts is right for them. And that may be someone's so busy, but they've flagged the Suiting Up podcast and they don't listen to it for two weeks, or they may binge it. Right, it's just different. And with video, That's you're like it's cool. out and you're and you're watching it it's two and a half to five minutes anyway. But let's uh, let's wrap this by giving your favorite podcasts that you like to listen to, and I'll give mine. <sighs> um. uh, because this space is communal. That's what we found. We're going to have a lot of overlapping ones. Um, I think Tim Ferriss is definitely
1: number one for me. Yeah. Uh, number one? Yeah, without a yeah, doubt. He's so good. Uh, obviously, Kara Swisher. I also like Peter Kafka's as well for, for Recode. I'm um, a huge fan of.
0: Kara Swisher's boys play lacrosse, and we have tweeted at her pretty often yeah. <laughs> just to like, Hey, you know, look at, look at us. Yeah. <laughs> research at
1: Paul Ravel and Karen Fisher mentions, a lot. <laughs> Don't <Yeah. do> that. <laughs> uh, but hey, it'll happen one day. Or go up Peter. I think that'd be a great fit as well. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, those two are definitely up there. I, I, Definitely like uh, Joe Rogan. Occasionally, I think it definitely varies what kind of mood I'm in. So, if looking at like, a business Rogan's side, great. you know, Tim Ferriss is great. If looking for a laugh, Joe Rogan's really funny. Uh, part of my takes very funny as well. From Barstool, um, they both do a great job. Uh, and then I wonder, uh, I wonder if there's anything else that's
0: kind of like not on your list we've discussed. Well, um, I think you, I know did, you mentioned list. Dan Savage. I listen to Dan Savage and Lovecast Love Cast a lot. I think he's uh, not only a thought leader. In the relational space, having spoken alongside Esther Perel, um, who's licensed as a relationship therapist, personal therapist based in New York City. And she just did a deal with Audible, speaking about like really unique strategic partnerships. But she cross-pollinates across a lot of different pods and and really strong kind of personal growth message. I Listen to Malcolm Gladwell. His new season came out too, yeah, which is exciting. Which is great. Uh, um, I was like, as soon as it came out, I listened to it immediately. The one on golf, yep. Planet Money is an OG show that that's that's really great. Actually, you know, I never listen to Serial, but I would say Serial and Planet Money are like the the two of the of like the real groundbreaking. Yeah, NPR has had a few of them. um, Well, yeah, I was gonna say from from scratch is is a big kind of short founder's story that NPR does. They just did Randy Hetrick, who I know well is the yeah, founder of TRX. That was really good. He was yeah. awesome. I kind of want to have him on our it's show. It's funny to listen, listen to the NPR show too
1: with John Mackey, the CEO of Amazon, sorry, of Whole Foods. Yeah. Because, you know, two weeks later they are acquired by Amazon. Right. And he's like telling this like... Was he being cryptic? Uh, no. He gave us a like very like heartfelt origin story. He obviously told it a bunch, but it was like very endearing. And then you read that he sells a company with $13 billion. Yeah. You're like... Whoa, like yeah. it's kind of a cool behind the scenes look for it happened. Yeah, and again, shout out to Scott Galloway who predicted that. Yeah. I and think Scott Galloway needs to have a longer podcast than he currently has. He's a new one out. I'm not sure if you saw that. Um, who? Scott Galloway does. Well, where who's? he He's in, she's like interviewing um, different folks in luxury brand
0: space. Oh, he's podcasting yes. now. Yes. Um, oh. Everyone's been waiting for it. Yeah. His so, YouTube channel or L2's YouTube channel is a company. It's fantastic. Founded. He's amazing. So from scratch by NPR – uh, I started podcasting, um, you know, much more off the back of Gimlet Media. Yeah, that was the one that 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 really triggered the idea that that this is something that I that I would like to do with a partner um, because of how transparent Alec Bloomberg was in startup. In startup, you know, season one was basically like, this is how we're building a podcast. And so that was pretty cool. So it' w- worth mentioning Gimlet. So, yeah, Tim Ferriss is, uh, is, has been an inspiration to both of us, and uh, I'd like to give him a shout out. And and each of you for listening to us um, since the beginning, or if you're new to the show, we encourage you to listen back to some of the other episodes. Uh, we'll plan on checking in once every so often to either uh, give more reflection on where the show is, where it's going. Um, or uh, another idea that we have is, is talking about kind of a recap and, uh, of, of several guests at a time and some of our larger takeaways, uh, and then grabbing some of those audio bits and condensing it into something that we feel might be more functional, inspirational, or motivational. Uh, so we're going to try different things. Let us know what you think. Have guest suggestions. Have show suggestions. Email us pod at suitinguppodcast.com. And um, next week's guest should be fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's been a fun ride so far. If you enjoyed Tyler and my conversation, be sure to let us know. Next week, I'm sitting down with Bloomberg Sports Business founder and strategist Scott Soschnick. Mark your calendars. He's one of the most well-engaged and knowledgeable people in all of sports. And continue the conversation with me on social media. By now, you should know my handles. It's at Paul Rabel. And be the first to listen to future episodes as well as catch up on previous shows, including my one-on-one conversation with the New England Patriots Dynasty head coach Bill Belichick, world-class tennis star and entrepreneur Venus Williams, and NBA stud Jeremy Lin, just to name a few. You can find all of these episodes and more on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. There's a shortcut to our show notes, which I believe are some of the most extensive in the business. Shout out Neil Savage. Athlete lists news and headlines by visiting suitinguppodcast.com. Talk to you all next week.